everyone. I'm Shweta and I am a student at the Neville Goddard School of Imagination. As someone who has benefited greatly from the School of Imagination courses, as well as being involved in the Facebook group, um, I really wanted to have a conversation with Josiah about his story, the story that led him to create the school in the first place. Once we get a chance to hear a little bit about his tale of creation of the story and a little bit about his background, then we can explore what the school offers and how you can get involved. So thank you, Josiah, for being open to this opportunity to share your story today. Of course, thank you for having me. Let's do it. Okay, very cool. So I have like several questions and um, you might have to split it up, but we'll see. But my first one is most of us, including me, in and out of the conscious creation community have a past story with religion. And while some aspects of traditional religion have served us, you know, we can't deny that. I think it's fair to say that a lot of aspects of traditional religious experiences have taken us to some unsavory places in our lives. And that experience can really shape who we are and how open we are to teachings like Neville's. What were your spiritual or religious beliefs growing up? And how do you think they impact you today, especially when you learned about Neville's teachings? Mm, I think that's a great question. So I've had a little bit of a hero's journey in regards to my experience with religion traditional Christianity in my case. And I'll just share just a little bit about how that happened for me. So I was raised in, uh, you know, a kind of a traditional conservative Midwestern United States family. And I was raised, um, you know, all throughout growing up, I, I, I went to church, uh, usually just, you know, kind of traditional Bible churches. And actually some of my earliest memories of my father were when he was a pastor. He's actually a preacher and he had a church for the first probably five or six years of my life. We would go to my dad's church every Sunday. Um, as they got a little bit older and the family started to get a little bit larger, he stopped preaching. But um, I, I would say this whole idea of, of, of religion, in particular Christian teachings, were really like installed in me from a very young age. So kind of raised within them, uh, you know, kind of inherited so many of the beliefs of traditional Christianity. And then, you know, going through my, my teenage years, I, I kind of redefined it for myself, but I was still very much in that same vein of, of what I had been taught. And it wasn't until um, my 20s that I, I really started to realize that it just, it just wasn't, it wasn't working for me. And I, I, I left church, I stopped going. Um, you know, kind of became more, more secular, just in my approach to the world in general. And, um, you know, I kind of just branched out on my own and, and went and saw what the, what the world was all about for a number of years. And it's interesting because all, all of this kind of, you know, having been raised in Christianity, and then at some point kind of turning away from it and just saying, you know, I'm not sure this is for me, kind of going a different direction. It all came to a head, in a manner of speaking, in summer of 2016 when I called my dad and I had a conversation with him and I said, look, this, this isn't for me and this is not what I have found to be true. And it was interesting because it was literally three months after this like final moment of being like, all right, Christianity has nothing for me. It was three months after that that I met Neville. And all of a sudden the esoteric 
the you know <laughs> interpretation started to unfold for me. I was like, oh my, oh my goodness! I was I was looking at this through the old eyes the whole time, and of course it didn't work for me because I wasn't seeing what it actually was. I wasn't I wasn't reading it with spiritual vision. I was reading it with you know physical human vision. So I, I, I kind of went through a, a journey there, and but having that esoteric interpretation unlocked for me was like unlocking all of my childhood education in Christianity because all of a sudden, all of these stories that I was familiar with convey the actual, you know, the actual weight of, of the meaning and, and not just kind of the surface, you know, story. And, um, you know, kind of opened up in something that I was so familiar with, but in a new light. That is so interesting because, I mean, once you kind of came to terms with uh, cutting the, the sort of cutting um, the threads to your previous understanding of, you know, your religious past, you were able to re-examine it in a new way. That's what Neville has provided me as well. And he doesn't even talk about Hindu scriptures, um, but he has provided, I think, a lot of us that same opportunity. So that's really, really interesting. And um, yeah, thanks for sharing that. So folks up in this community often have a very interesting story about how they you know, got to know Neville's teachings. I have heard such a wide variety of um, stories as to how they came about it, all the way from you know, learning it from a YouTube video to uh, you know, a friend passing them a book when they were like ill in the hospital. There's just so many interesting stories. So could you share with us your story of discovering who Neville Goddard is? Yeah. Yeah. So uh, my, my awakening started in earnest in 2014 when I went through a series of initiations that kind of showed up in various ways in my life. And I started to be like, okay, there's, so, there's something to life that I haven't really been honoring within myself so far. And I started to see that. And so I started to honor it. And um, you know, over, over the period of that time, 2014, 15, and 16, I started really getting the sense that I was called to something greater than what I had been, been giving in my life up until that point. And uh, in 2016 in particular, I was like really tuned into this idea of, of life purpose. I was like, you know, I, I, for, for some people, you know, they, they come to earth and they're like, oh, hey, this is, this is, this is a playground. Like, let's just let's just go have fun. And I did that for a while, but there was a part of me that was like, you know, if, if a playground is all this is, I'm, I'm not so sure this is actually really what I want to do. Like, I, I, I feel like I, there's something bigger here. So I got clear on that desire uh, in 2016. And uh, the, the clearer I got on that desire, the more I started to hear teachings around this idea of the true nature of reality this idea that we create our own reality and i was like okay if i if i feel like i'm desiring to create meaning if i feel like this desire to create purpose then you know it's something that i need to tune into it's something I need to honor within myself and i need to start to grow that purpose within myself and it was the fall of 2016, when I was in this period of, of transition in my life, I was actually in the middle of, of moving um, and, uh, you know, undertaking a, a different business venture. It's kind of like reshuffling some things in my life that I had an experience where I, I broke my arm. Um, and it was very, very unexpected, very surprised um, kind of incident that kind of just dropped 
out of, out of nowhere, it felt like it surprised me, like, boom, all of a sudden I've, I've got this, you know, physical issue. And that was kind of like the, um, the loudest wake up call that I, that I experienced because it, it disrupted the previous order that was in my life, you know, up, up until the point where I broke my arm, I'd really been running at breakneck speed and, and doing all kinds of things and investing my energy in all these different areas. And when the, the, that situation happened and I broke my arm, suddenly all of that was disrupted. And all of a sudden I had to focus on, on me. I had to focus on rehabilitating my body. I had to focus on my health and well-being. And it created a whole bunch of space unexpectedly in my life. And right at that time of all of a sudden having all this space unexpectedly in my life, um, I was also listening to some of these other teachers that are in a similar vein, like Abraham Hicks and Florence Scovel Shin. And I remember there was a specific moment, like I can point to the specific moment the first time I heard Neville's voice in particular. And it was when I was in this process of, of rehabilitating my arm. And I, at this point, because I had all the space in my calendar, you know, I, I wasn't doing events like I was before because I had the broken arm. My, really, my focus is on healing. I was spending a lot of time listening to all of these teachings and just really absorbing as, as much as I could. And there was this moment when a Neville video in his voice came on autoplay as I was listening to a YouTube video. I was, I was listening to Genevieve Beren's um, uh, video, Your Invisible Power. And it was like that video finished and then Neville's voice came on. And there's something about that moment when I heard his voice, I knew that I was hearing something different. And in, in part, it was because it was literally his voice. There was, you know, kind of this old whine to the recording. And I was like, wow, this sounds like this happened a while ago, you know, maybe 60, 70 years ago, you know, and so that kind of intrigued me. And then when I picked up the phone and I looked at, you know, who is this? And I saw the name Neville Goddard, it was brand new to me. And I, I, had, not, I had not experienced any of his work up until that moment. But I loved what he was saying and I could tell from the passion in his voice that he was invested in what he was saying. There was, there was this, this genuine and, and you know, authentic manner in which he was speaking, you know, kind of like his, his aura or energy con communicated, conveyed through his voice. And I just very quickly became aware that I needed to know what this man had to teach me. And that moment set off a, a deep dive exploration. I became kind of like a vacuum cleaner, just like going out and sucking up all the information I could get about Neville, listening to as many recordings as I could find. And at, at that, now there's been a lot of work done on his recordings that have made them easier to understand. But at that point, he was very much new to the internet, Neville was. Wow. And I, I was unsatisfied with what with the quality of, of, of what I could gain from his words, which is what inspired me to start reading his words for myself and then also offering that as, as a gift to others via my YouTube channel, which you know, once I started the YouTube channel, that really, um, really set this whole path in motion. That is so interesting. What a cool story. What a cool bridge of events. Yes. Um, that led you. Yeah. yeah, definitely cool. So, you know, when many folks first discover Neville, and it sounds like you already had uh, your totally different waters of conscious creation teachings. But even then, because he takes it to such a different level, he takes it to such a radical level, 
a lot of people often have a wide variety of reactions. You know, sometimes, um, you know, they can experience a deep knowingness and an intuitive rush of recognition, um, which I've definitely experienced. But it's not uncommon that alongside with that, because we are complex beings that can have several different feelings at the same time, there's also the sense of revulsion and denial and rejection because understandably, it can be hard to accept that life is happening purely through us and from us rather than to us. You know, you can take it to a certain level and maybe see how that could be true, but to take it to such a radical level that every single thing is coming from us because we're the operant power can be a challenge. So I'm curious to see if you had any such block and if you did, could you share with us an example and how you were able to overcome and integrate, uh, integrate that block into your understanding and kind of move forward? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, th that's one of the things that is, I, f I feel like Neville communicates so clearly, you know, um, he, there's, there's this, there's, you know, phrase that we use in communities that study Neville calling buying the pearl, the pearl of great price, this idea of, you know, when, when we really finally give up our belief in anything external to us to be able to control us, right? Not, not affect, but to control us. And we, when we take back our power. And a lot of times it is a journey. I would say all, pretty, all the time. It's, it's a journey to get to that point where we're ready to do that. Where we're really ready to take responsibility for what we've created in our life. And for me, you know, listening to what he teaches, this idea of imagination creates reality. And, you know, who the person that we believe that we are is reflected back to us in the mirrors of our world. You know, when I was really hearing this said so clearly for the first time and really sitting with it, and I was, I was questioning deeply within, within my being, you know, is, is this true? Is, is my, you know, the, my self image, this, this kind of, you know, mental picture of who I believe that I am, is that really what's reflected back to me? And at, at the point where I finally met Neville and, and was listening to this stuff, I I had been through a lot, a lot in my life, a lot of my life. I've, I've said sometimes, I, I say basically, I feel like I've lived multiple lifetimes within a single life. And I could look back at a lot of examples of things that happened to me that were, um, they were rough, that were disruptive, that were unsettling, that were challenges. Um, I had some difficult years um, in, in my life. And, you know, for me, when I, when I looked back at a lot of those events and applied the wisdom of Neville, mm -hmm. I could see, I could see how it was in so many ways, my interpretation, the story that I was telling about what was happening that made it be as bad, as bad as I thought that it was, that made me suffer as much as, as I did. I, I could see how my thoughts, my reactions, my feelings to what were really just events that I was interpreting a certain way, I could see how that had created all of this pain for myself. And I, you know, looking back and seeing all these examples, I, I couldn't deny it. I couldn't deny that it was my state of being at these specific moments in my life that, that created this mushroom effect of unsavory circumstances. I, I could see very clearly my role within that. And so I thought, it's, for me, it was kind of backwards. A lot of people are like, oh, well, did I, can, I, can I create really good things for my life? For me, it was like, I know that I can create positive things for my life because 
I can look back and see all of the negative things that I've created for my life. So for me, I was able to find that evidence and be like, wow, I, mm-hmm. you know, the event was one thing, but I really made it a whole mess because I carried all of this charge and all of this energy and all of these, you know, I, I told this really ugly story about what had happened. And so naturally that's what became true for me. I was able to really connect to that. And with that became this powerful freedom, you know, the freedom to, to reinterpret, the freedom to reclaim that power and say, wait a second, I, I write the story here. You know, the events just happen, but I'm the one that creates the meaning. That is incredible. And yes, I mean, I think a lot of people find these teachings in a place where uh, they, in, in a low place, you know, in a mm. low place in their life, in a low point in their life. Yeah. And when they can take the teachings and see it for what it is and move forward instead of blaming themselves uh, for what has happened, uh, then they can get the most out of it. Because I have seen some people maybe take it and sort of blame, start, you know, using it as a tool to beat themselves up. But the idea mm. is that you have the power then, you have the power now, and uh, it's all part of the journey. So, um, yeah, thank you so much for sharing that. So you kind of touched on this, and it's true that there are plenty of beautiful and prolific writers within the conscious creation community. And there's just so many beautiful ones. We have Florence Goebel Shin, Joseph Murphy, Wallace Waddles, Napoleon Hill. There's just countless others. And I think you mentioned Genevieve Barrent as well. And so there seems to be, have been a recent online renaissance of these type of teachings, whether they be old lectures or books or people orating these old lectures and books. And it's pretty cool to see just how many people across time had access to these truest of truths. So why do you think that, you know, Neville is so special to you? You, you know, named the school after him in particular. So why do you think now there's such a focus on Neville? Because there are many, many folks now who are focused on his teachings over some of these other beautiful teachings. What do you think makes him so unique and why was he so special to you? Yeah, I, I would refer to it as the nine tenths principle. I feel like there's so many teachers out there who can explain to me that the law works and that's nine tenths of it, right? And that last tenth is why does it work? Why does it work? And I, you know, every teacher will have their own explanation for why that is. And then there's Neville. And nobody says it like Neville. He, he, he comes straight out and he says, I'll tell you that the law works and I'll tell you why it works. It's because you're on this journey. It's because you are the infinite, unlimited consciousness. You are, another way of saying that would be God. And you decided to condition yourself and enter this world of death and give form in life to a body to have this experience of forgetting who you are and then waking up and remembering who you are and all that you're ever experiencing is consciousness and because of that like because that is the case you can affect the experiences that you have through what you I'm not going to even say put out through who you become through who you become Prior to Neville saying it as eloquently and beautifully as he does, I, I could get 90% of the way there. But that last 10% of why does it work, that was really what helped it sink in. And I realize now at this point, now it's not just you know Wallace Waddles or Napoleon Hill or Abraham Hicks saying it, or even Neville saying it. Now, now I can see that this is the core truth of every spiritual tradition that, it, that is ancient 
on earth. Mm -hmm. This is yeah. the secret that our ancestors for countless generations have been encoding in messages and sending forward for the future generations. Hey, you're dreaming. This is a dream of life. You are far more than your human body and you have to wake up and reclaim your power. And that is the hero's journey that every single human being is on. And you know, here's a book of scriptures. This is your spiritual biography, your spiritual autobiography. Prior to meeting Neville, no one had ever done that for me. No one had ever said, mm -hmm. look, here's, here's the full 10, you know, 100% of the picture. Here's all of it, you know? And, 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 and then not just saying here's all of it, but conveying it so eloquently, so beautifully, with such passion and precision. It's, it's, it's truly stunning, I feel, the, the clarity with, with which he speaks and communicates. That is very true. His style, I mean, there's a message and then there's a way in delivering that message. So he definitely nails it on both, on both levels. And I can understand, too, if someone has grown up in a religious background uh, that's exactly the same scriptures that he's talking about, uh, what a blessing, a boon it is to have someone re-examine that. So that sounds like that. I can totally see why that resonated with you so well. Um, and it's exciting to see so many generations continue, um, continue to share his teachings because, you know, you could, you could say that in the 50s and 60s or 30s to 70s, he had shared his lectures and, you know, um, people heard them, but it could have been lost. But, you know, with the magic of technology, with the magic of um, the fact that his books are free, like there's just such an amazing opportunity now for generations to carry on that message and expand upon them. And so that expansion is kind of part of my next question for you. So as an avid reader myself of Neville's lectures, his books, I'm often made aware of while his core fundamental lessons of who we really are are always consistent, there have been, you know, a, there has been a sort of evolution. You know, he evolved in his understandings and his teachings in some ways, whether that was shifting from teaching about the law uh, in a sort of tactical way to the promise, which is sort of overarching understandings. Uh, there were some evolutions and some, you know, explorations of the truth that seem to evolve over time. So have you had similar experiences in your journey of letting go of old, seemingly sound paradigms? And like, could you share one with us if something comes to mind? Yeah, um, you know, I, I think that that, that's kind of a ubiquitous feature of spiritual journeys. This mm -hmm. idea that there's this, it's, it's an evolution. It's a, a shedding of, of old skin, uh, perhaps perpetually. I mean, I mean, I think for me, it's, it's been a perpetual shedding um, and, and constantly, constantly expanding and, and becoming truer and truer embodiment of, of my true essence. Uh, yeah, so Neville definitely does exhibit this evolution over the course of his teachings. Uh, for, for me and in, in my growth, you know, like I said, my, my spiritual awakening really started in earnest in 2014. And it was because I really started to notice that there's something going on in my reality that I couldn't quite explain. I, 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 it was in 2014 that I really started to tune into the idea of synchronicities. It was in 2014 that I really started to realize that although I didn't know what it was until I met Neville, I started to realize there was something else happening that what most people knew 
about the nature of reality. And, you know, I, I wondered at one point, you know, wait, are, you know, are, are we all just dreaming? Like, is that really what's going on? Are we all just dreaming? But it, it just kind of seemed like a, a conjecture at that point, And I had no, you know, nothing to back it up with. But I, I started to tune in this idea of synchronicities. I started to notice how, you know, things would kind of show up in, in, in groups. You know, I started to, to notice, um, you know, patterns in, in my life, patterns in nature, patterns, you know, in all these types of things. Um, and I, I started to, to tune into some spiritual type of, of concepts, you know, like um, for, for me, uh, up until maybe 2014, 2015, I never really paid attention to the idea of astrology. And mm -hmm. I think it was in probably 2015 that I started following an astrologer. And I was like, okay, you know, may, maybe there's something more to what's going on here. Maybe it's, you know, energies right. playing against energies. And, you know, maybe mm -hmm. I have like this you know, like I said, I was kind of pulling in this idea of life mission or life purpose. So I was like, okay, maybe my purpose is, you know, written in the stars or like it's in my birth chart or, you know, this type of stuff. So I, I kind of explored down those lines. You know, I, I remember at one point someone said something to the effect of, you know, you know, uh, wealthy people, right? Millionaires, millionaires don't really care about astrology, but billionaires, billionaires pay attention to astrology because it's like the ebb and flow of, of mankind. And when you're thinking at the level of billionaire, you have to think at a different level. It's, it's not what's selling today. It's now I'm, I'm creating an empire to serve, you know, the next three generations of, of, of mankind at, at least. So those people pay attention to astrology. And I heard that and I was like, oh, that makes sense. You know, I'm going to start looking yeah. at this stuff and start seeing, you know, what's going on. And then I met Neville. And Neville started to explain to me slowly but surely over time that, you know, all things exist. There's, yeah, there's rhythms, patterns, cycles to nature, but it's not truly outside of, of me, meaning my, my I am consciousness. You know, my I am consciousness contains all things. So it's, it's not that it's something over there that's affecting me. It's that I am all things and I've pushed out you know, this pa patterns and cycles of nature that now my physical body is, is experiencing. And, you know, I, I remember the first time I heard Neville's lecture, The Pearl of Great Price, it was about a year and a half into my exploration of, of Neville. It was kind of a, a later one to be added to the online collection. And that was the first time I heard him talking about astrology in particular. And he was like, it's like, I don't care what it is. I don't care if it's tea leaves, tarot, astrology, cards, like whatever it is. Like until you give up your belief in all of those things as external powers to control you, you cannot buy this pearl of great price. And I, I put that lecture on repeat for about two weeks. I listened to it basically every day for about two weeks. And the reason was because I knew that at that point, I had given a lot of power away to a lot of different things, not just astrology, but also ideas, ideas in society, you know, archetypes, paradigms, you know, even this idea of like, you know, the, the so-called power elite in the world. At this point, you know, I had gone through this whole hero's journey of like waking up to what at the, at the time, what I have called, you know, tremendous corruption, you know, that was happening all over the world. And I thought I was all aware about all this stuff. And then at some point, listening to the Pearl of Great Price, I realized I had given my power away to all of these things. And I thought, oh, those people over there, 
you know, who think they're elite have some level of power or control over my life. And I started to realize that there had been this massive transfer of power over my entire life up until that moment. And like I said, it is far greater than just to astrology and alignments of planets or constellations yeah. or whatever. Like it's so, so much greater. It was, it was to what people thought of me. It was to what I thought of myself. It was to what I believed was true about the world. Like it was comprehensive. Mm-hmm. And I had to go through this, this transformation where I really had to get very clear and very decisive and really go through this process of reclaiming all of that power, bringing it back and saying, look, I'm, I'm, all things exist. I'm not saying any of those things don't exist, but what I am saying is none of those things have power over me unless I give them power over me. And for me, that, that was turning a corner. That, that for me, like I said, this is like a, 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 a process of unfolding. That for me yeah. was that my process of, of buying the pearl. Yes, that is such a great example, astrology in general, because I, you know, I think a lot of people in this community, in the conscious community or spiritual community, can see so many interesting patterns in astrology. And it's hard to say that it doesn't have credence or it doesn't have an impact when you can see yourself in a lot of these um, astrological content, you know? Mm-hmm. But the idea is that even if it is, even if it does exist, even if it does have credence, we make a choice to know who we really are and where those things actually come from. So that's such a great example. Um, very cool. So tell me about your decision to open a school of imagination. I think there's a lot of different ways, you know, that people and teachers are willing to share their information, share their knowledge. But I think it's pretty unique that uh, you've sort of um, purposed this as a school. Uh, yeah. I'm sure it, there's an interesting story I'd love for you to share. It. Yeah, so the idea for a school came from a couple of places. Uh, one, when you really unlock the treasure that is this newfound understanding, this you know original original view of the world, when you really start to unlock that treasure, you very quickly realize it is the most valuable thing there is. It is. <laughs> yeah. I, I, as, as, as I started to wake up to, to what was going on, to what he was sharing with me, I started to realize very quickly that this is our divine inheritance and it makes us the wealthiest beings on the planet. When we know who we are, we are the wealthiest beings on, in, the, in the universe, really. And when I started to realize that, I was like, this, this, is, this is wealth and abundance on a level unfathomable previously. And I was like, I, I felt compelled to create a way to share it. Now, I know there's a, a lot of people that, that share it in a lot of different ways. And I, I think that, you know, it's kind of like one huge choir and every voice is important. Mm-hmm. And in, at that point in my life in particular, I had been taking a lot of college classes. Just, I consider myself a perennial student. I'm always learning things. I think it's an important uh, part of how we stay young as humans. It's always learning new things. And when I really started to tune into this stuff, I've been taking all these college classes and I, I had this idea. I was like, why, why can't there be a college class style exploration of these truths? You know, right. I, there, and one of the things in particular about the college classes that I felt were, was so valuable, because I mean, what is a college class? Like you go to college, you know, four years, you spend who knows how much money, right? Even six figures, 
hundreds of thousands of dollars on a college education, but what is actually happening there? Well, one, you have accountability to read books, like you're studying text and there's accountability to make you study the text, right? You could go to a good library and you could give yourself the equivalent of that same education, but with the college, you have someone looking over your shoulder to help you make sure that you're understanding it. You have the value of discussion with your fellow students, and then you have the network of the faculty, mm -hmm. staff, and college students. And that's really what you're paying for when you spend a couple hundred thousand dollars on a college yep. education. Perhaps more than that too, but that, those are the core things, right? So I thought in, my, in, in myself, when I had this idea, I thought, why, why can't we create that type of environment for studying this wealth, for studying this inheritance, for studying this meta skill, which in my mind, you know, all of the traditional arts and sciences should come after we master our imagination. We should study that stuff after we know who we are, in my mind. I was like, really, this is the most important thing that anyone could study. And if we study arts and sciences in this academic way and we get those benefits, you know, yeah, we're reading, but we have someone to make sure that we understand it. We have discussions and we have network. Why can't we create the same thing for this? Why can't we create a college like, the college class-like exploration of these truths, a social environment where not, we not only have accountability, but also encouragement and discussion, because I found sitting in my college classes, I learned the most, not from the professor, not from the readings, from my fellow students. That's where I learned the most. It's like, wow, whole different set of life circumstances over here talking about the same thing that I am. Here's their view. All of a sudden, I'm thinking differently. And I saw the value of that, and I was like, I want to create that for imagination. I want to create that style of exploration for imagination. And I want to create the opportunity to network. I want people who are all studying these things, who are in the process of, of giving birth to their, the part of themselves that is the conscious creator, I want them to know each other. I want them to have each other's resources, as support, as encouragement. And I want to see them banding together in mass on projects. And out of that compelling desire, a school was born. Oh, that's really interesting. So it sounds like there was a functional reason as to yes. why you want to create this type of atmosphere um, and a collaborative school environment. So, it's, yes. and I, I know from experience that you, know, you have been able to successfully cultivate that type of environment because I was independently learning um, Neville's teachings on my own. And while self-study was a great place to start, to dip my toe in the waters, what really took me to the next level was um, being involved in that collaborative environment. So um, I can definitely attest to that. So what do you think is unique about your teaching style that your students resonate with? Well, first of all, um, it's a skill that I've cultivated professionally for almost 20 years now. Uh, I, I came out of high school, I joined the United States Air Force and straight, straight out of high school, I was trained as an intelligence briefer for the US military. And I was taught by some of the best, best briefers in the world. And it was a skill that I cultivated. It was something that, um, it, it, you know, that, that initial experience, you know, right out of school, having, having this experience of, of training, it really helped me find my voice. It helped me realize that it's not just what I'm saying, it's how I say it that really either lands with people or does not. And I think the key skill that I really took away from my time in the military was the ability to present information in a way where people, it, it was actionable. 
actionable intelligence. The decision makers could say, okay, based on what this, this guy is, is sharing with me in this intelligence briefing, I have the information I need to make a decision. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So much is about that is curating and saying it a way where it lands and is understood. It's like, okay, what about this do you need to know? I could tell you everything or I could really streamline it and make it, you know, a laser targeted, you know, message delivered to your consciousness. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. I learned how to do that, how to make it a laser targeted messages message for your, your consciousness. I took that out of the military. I spent about, I invested about 10 years as a sales trainer. And then ultimately I became a technology trainer. And between those three experiences of, of cultivating skill sets, I've gotten to the point where I, you know, communication is, is my hallmark skill. And I, I think in, in particular, what students resonate with, with my style is that I, I take into consideration in the way that I present things, I take into consideration uh, the science of neurobiology. So, so many people, you know, they just, they just say words. And what I've come to understand is that it's not so much the words, it's the energy behind the words. And when there's an energy of exploration and curiosity you know, behind the words, what happens in the neurobiology of the brain is uh, essentially a function of neuroplasticity, right? So I, I go on, on YouTube sometimes and I, I search for, you know, Neville-related content, and I see all of these videos that are like, do this, master this, you know, have this, you know, if you blah, 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 blah. And, and they're just very much like, this is what you need to do, just kind of shoving the content in front of people and saying, look, you know, one-stop shop, the fast food of metaphysics, here, this is what you need to do, right? Yeah. And while that may be effective some of the time or in certain situations, my understanding of, of, of presentation skills and neurobiology and neuroplasticity is that really what we're looking for is a change of perspective. You can watch a 10-minute video on, you know, do this every night before bed, and you might walk away with more information, but do you walk away with a new way of seeing the world? Maybe, maybe not. In my intentional communication, it is my goal to explore concepts in a way that honors their intricacies, doesn't just hand someone information like, oh, I'm the teacher, you're the student, here, this is your answer. I never do that. That is never my intention. It's always a, hey, I'm a tour guide, let me facilitate an in-depth exploration of this idea. And by the yeah. time we're done, at the end of this live stream or whatever the, the circumstances, the, at the end of our time together, you're gonna walk away from this seeing the world just a little bit differently. And as long as that is the outcome that has occurred, my work has been successful. That's, that's really the, the job. And the idea is, is when, you, when you stimulate the brain in that way and you start to build the new connections, you start to become a different person. You start to upgrade and elevate your consciousness just through the process of, of rewiring your, your, your neural structures in your brain. And I've really honed and um, intentionally focused my teaching skill on that in particular, on that outcome in particular. And mm -hmm. it really does seem to resonate with people. I've, I've had good feedback about it. Yeah, definitely. So for me, that definitely resonates as well, because I, 
And that's part of the reason I think why Neville was such a great lecturer as well, going back to what we said earlier, was he wasn't just presenting the information, like here's what you should do. Um, he was presenting it in a way that allowed us to shift states when we listened to him. And I think you have that, you know, you have that particular vibe. <laughs> yeah. I can use that word. So as a student, I enjoy the reverence you have for Neville Goddard's teachings. And it's evidenced by the way you teach. You know, you have a great tone, really respectful tone. Um, you have a really encouraging, enthusiastic approach, a really respectful approach to your students. And you obviously have a clear knowledge of the materials, which you probably should have if you're teaching them. So it really speaks to just how much you respect his teachings. But kind of going to be, you know, our point before, it, I can also see that you would like to expand and improve upon um, and go beyond Neville's teachings through this, through, you know, your school. And I think like a course, like course name, like next level Neville kind of shows that, demonstrates that. So is that, if that's an accurate assessment, um, how do you help students through the school properly integrate and incorporate Neville's teachings, uh, both, you know, in, uh, both the way Neville intended them, but also to expand beyond, beyond the teachings? Yeah, that's a great question. Yeah, I, you know, ev every generation has its voices. And Neville in so many ways, I, I see his work as, as fundamental and foundational. I think he, you know, and not to the exclusion of the other teachers that were around him in, in a, you know, contemporaries, but again, nobody says it quite like Neville. So I, I kind of look to him as being kind of the, the forefather of of such a, a candid way of discussing this wisdom in, in, in truth. Every generation has its voices and every generation, you know, it, it's important that, you know, Neville was an ancestor in his, in his own right, in his own way. And we are ancestors in our own right, in our own way. And mm -hmm. I think it's important that every generation cultivate and develop its voice of these ancient truths and renew them for the modern era yes and i really do think that that is kind of the 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 hallmark of, of what the neville goddard school of imagination is all about it's yes a, a resource you know in an enclave to protect and um and, and ensure the ongoing availability of you know kind of this fundamental core work for future generations mm -hmm. and it's also designed to expand upon it you know neville just another thought about this. Neville was was teaching at a very specific time in human history. If you look at where his his career kind of fell into place, there's a lot going on in the world. You know, he was he was mm -hmm. teaching over World War II. He was teaching over the '50s, the Cold War era. Yeah. Um, it's just a very if you kind of tie, you know, his 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 career to the broader sociological picture, you know, of of what was happening. Um, you know, he's speaking to a, a certain generation of people. And he did not have the internet. Neville did not have the internet. And here we are in 2020, in, in this present moment, and we have uh, an entire generation, a whole global society that has been completely transformed through the internet. And, you know, it's, it's like Neville did the work that he was supposed to do during his lifetime and he completed it successfully. And now it's our work as ancestors to expand that knowledge and make it even more widely available, you know, through the internet. You know, Neville talked in New York, he spoke and lectured in New York, San Francisco, and LA. 
when I launched the Next Level Neville course, I was in, uh, that course was consumed in something like 26 different nations around the world and something like 22 different US states. So it's like mm. the reach is exponential. And in, in my mind, again, looking at this as, as wealth and inheritance and abundance that needs to be, um, you know, needs to be, uh, we need to be wise stewards of it. In my mind, it's like, yes, this needs to be modernized. It needs to be updated. It needs to be expanded. We need to make it available to everyone. And that's part of my, my, my vision of, of what we're doing here at the school. Yes, absolutely. Because the diversity level of your audience kind of calls for that. You know, it, it begs for that, that ability to reach wide audiences and a wide variety of people who have a different story, you know? Um, and so I definitely see that happening in the school. There's, whether that's a, um, a wide diverse age range, um, background in terms of, uh, you know, financial background, or whether it's with, with regards to, you know, even languages, like you see such diversity in your students. And I think that's definitely uh, a hallmark, you know, example, a keystone example of that expansion that you're talking about. And how we're, I love what you said about being wise stewards of the word, because I think that it's a great responsibility. If we're going to teach these, if we're going to teach these teachings to people who um, want to achieve their precious desires and know who we really are, that's the fundamental truth. And we want to do that in a really reverent and effective way. So that's really awesome. So I have one more thought about that, if yeah. that's okay. Yeah, yeah. So Neville was right on time, right? So, uh, you know, the, the 30s through the 70s, he was right on time, right before the advent of the internet and now this global society and the technological revolution. And when I look ahead at what's coming in 2030, 40, 50 and beyond, mm -hmm. I really do believe that imagination is the most critically important skill there is for a human being to master at this point and going forward that's only going to become more true you know we're, we're already seeing it we're already seeing people getting uh split and polarized based on algorithms that control you know the content that they see online you know it's like i can be standing right next to somebody and have an entire different media stream entering my mental diets than them because of what I look at, what I click, what I, what I subscribe to, you know, all these algorithms are measuring us all the time. And they're mm -hmm. literally returning to us the products of our imaginative acts. You know, what, what we allow our attention to get attracted to, we will literally create more of in this on-demand real-time technological paradigm. Mm -hmm. And that can very quickly become a dystopian nightmare or a utopian universe. And we're really at that decision point right now and I really do feel like sharing this information, this, this understanding, this, this paradigm, this way of looking at the world that is so incredibly empowering, I feel like now is the time. This is the work to be done right now for this modern era. Absolutely. And when it comes to giving our power away, um, sort of that thought and that perspective, um, the school of imagination really allows us to take back that power because when it comes to how we are using technology in every single part of our lives, it can be really easy to give our power away to so on, on a moment to moment basis, so many different things. But anyway, 
yeah, that's such a great point. And I love what you said about it being, um, I love what you, that, that sort of perspective you gave on uh, algorithm. I think that's a really interesting kind of metaphor for how attention flows. And yes. yes. So what do you think it takes to be a good student at the School of Imagination? So if someone's listening and wondering if they're ready and if this is the right next step for them, what should they be asking themselves? Yeah. So a lot of it starts with, with asking the question, right? The question of, you know, am, am, am I ready to grow? Am I ready to become something further? Am I, am I, am I ready to stand taller in my life? Like, I, I think that that's kind of that first question of, you know, am I hearing the call to transformation? Am I hearing the call to become something further, a, a fuller, you know, more beautiful embodiment of the divine source that I am? You know, there's there's kind of this this call, and I have a feeling that a lot of people who are watching this interview at this point probably hear that. And I feel like that's that's kind of the first prerequisite is you need to hear that 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 call, like, hey, there's something more here. I'm I'm hearing this call to become something more. That's that's kind of the first start. And then from there, what does it take to to be a a, a quote unquote good student? Mm -hmm. Well, it's going to be commitment to showing up and doing the work. Now, when I say work, I, I don't mean struggle, but I do mean consistency, and I do mean honesty, and I do mean, um, you know, kind of this authenticity, meaning you're willing to take ownership and responsibility for your life, for what you've created to, to date. You're, you're ready to, you know, re rewrite old stories, break old patterns, break old cycles, even ones that are generational that have, you know, less to do with you and more to do with your ancestors. Like when you're ready to take, when you're ready to really take the power back, um, you know, a lot of it just comes down to your willingness to show up and do it. And I, I'd say more than anything else, that's what I look for in students. You know, when I'm, when I'm, you know, trying to help students decide whether or not something like a course at the School of Imagination is right for them. That's, that's kind of what I'm looking for is, are you experiencing that hunger to expand, to grow? Are you experiencing that thirst? Is that evolutionary pressure knocking at your door? And are you ready to respond to it and allow it to propel you into something brighter, you know, more beautiful in your life? That's really amazing. And I mean, I think a lot of people, like you said, who are listening would have an answer to that, a ready answer to that. So um, those are great questions to ask yourself if you're thinking about making that leap. So yeah. could you share with us some information about the current courses that you're offering through the School of Imagination and some yeah. details about the differences in each of the courses? Yeah, I want to start by saying, and this is a little bit of a callback to the last question. So yes. yeah, you, you have to have that, that uh, the courage to show up and, and to, to do the work as, as I described. And you, know, you, you don't have to join a school. I'll never tell you that you, you have to have this. You know, in, in the age of the internet in particular, self-education is free. It is free. And there's so much available to you uh, to, to do that self-study. And I encourage students to do, to do that anyways. Where a school comes into play is, you know, when, when you're looking for specific value. And one of that value is the focus, the, the accountability. So the focus meaning you have um, a curriculum. You know, it's not just kind of like, oh, I'm watching 15 minutes of this video and then five minutes of that video and then reading this book and reading that book. No, it's, it's much more coherent. It's a structured academic style 
expiration, which a lot of us are, are comfortable with, having grown up in traditional you know, education environments, when you're ready to apply that level of focus to it, and importantly, when you're ready to share the journey. It's one of the key things about these courses is what I call the social learning element. So at the school, you know, to, to date, and this, this may change going forward, but to date, all of the classes at the school have been live taught, meaning that they're always completed in real time as a class with a group of students, meaning that we are discussing with each other. There's that live interaction. There's, you know, community groups. There's, you know, assignments. We're, we're learning from each other and on our own and kind of like this group social exploration. And there's a lot of support in that. There's a lot of value in that. And I think there's a lot of people who are on this path who feel alone. Mm -hmm. The school in so many ways is designed to help you find your tribe if you feel like you're looking for your tribe. I think some people, they just, they're kind of built to fly solo and I have all the respect for that. But for yep. those who are craving family, who are craving community, who are craving their, a tribe to explore this with and all of the benefits that come along with that, school is perfect for that. So right now at the school, there's, uh, again, these being live taught courses, so they're not always available. They're available at specific times throughout the year right now and may look at adjusting that going forward. But uh, right now, there's two courses at the school. The first one is the Neville Goddard Masterclass, which uh, I'm teaching, and it's a exploration of Neville's original masterclass taught in 1948 and updated and expanded into a structured academic exploration over six weeks for 2020 with the addition of social learning exercises, like I mentioned, um, and daily imagination exercises, which is kind of that accountability and kind of that call to come back day after day after day and be consistent to build that, you know, take advantage of neuroplasticity and build that new neural network of that new ideal state. And it also features small groups, which is, you know, this, this tribe, this family, this, you know, building connections and, and people to, to share the journey with. So that, that class in particular, at, at this moment of, of recording this video, that class is open for enrollment. Um, and that would be a, a six-week class taking us through um, the last week of, of June. And then later this year, probably uh, September, there's going to be another 99-day course. Now, the master class is a prerequisite for the 99-day course, meaning the master class is an introduction. Um, and it, we get advanced in the, in the master class too, but the 99-day course is really an intensive. It's like, okay, not only do I understand what's going on here, but I also desire to cultivate mastery over an extended period of time. So 14 weeks, more than three months, you know, really coming back to this every single day for that amount of time, I mean, it, it creates profound transformations. And so that's kind of like the, the, the level three Right. You know, at, at the school right now. So those, those are the two that are available right now. There's a lot more coming. Yeah. Um, there'll be masterminds going forward in 2021 and beyond. There's, there's just a lot more coming in general, but that's where we yeah. are so far. Okay, very cool. That's great. And I know there's uh, other courses that I've like seen and things like that, but I can and I understand that it's not at this time right now. So yeah. kind of like a school, different semesters, different semesters have Precisely. different classes. Yeah. Makes sense. And I know currently, you know, the climate, the word that we don't want to say of what's going on in the global community, 
uh, can feel like things have been at a standstill. So I can say that the school is a great way not to feel that way, a great way to make progress uh, when things feel like things have sort of stopped, right? right. Um, but, and, and I'm curious to see like what, outside of courses, what's next in, in the future of the School of Imagination? Like, is there anything we can expect? Maybe there's events, um, field trips, <laughs> excursions, I don't know. Is there anything like that that you could share with us that keeps us excited for when, uh, when things uh, shift to a place where we can, we can do such things? Yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah. A couple. I think actually all of those things. Um, trips, events, field trips. Yes. Um, yeah. So there. You know, this is a this is a big vision. You know, for the School of Imagination, and it's not just my own. It's 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 shared uh, across the community at this point. And yeah, there, there is a lot coming. Um, you know, I, I have a heart for events. As, as beautiful as a gift the internet has been for mankind, uh, in particular in regards to exploration of, of these uh, ancient wisdoms, um, there's really no replacement for people sitting together in a room and the communion that takes place um, among spiritual beings when, when that is the case. So yeah, there's, there's, um, there's events coming. I don't know if it'll be this year, but perhaps, you know, for sure going forward over the next decade, there'll be uh, retreats. One of our right. favorite destinations is Barbados, uh, mm -hmm. which is one of Neville's, um, you know, kind of he talks a lot about Barbados. He's born in Barbados. Of course. So we will have another trip to Barbados. We've done one already. Um, mm -hmm. We do have a field trip that I've been working on with, with you, Shweta, about, um, about New York City, uh, mm -hmm. in particular celebrating Neville Goddard as well. Uh, yeah. and, and there's some other things happening too. Uh, there's some planning in behind the scenes. It may not be this year, maybe uh, 2021 or 2022 for a, a convention, um, you know, a mass gathering of people in this space to get together and, and celebrate and, um, and network and share experiences and all this type of stuff. And um, kind of looking broader on, on down the line, um, you know, it, I really do have this vision for the school being exactly that, a, a resource. And I, I think that part of being a resource is, is building a bridge. And I see the school building a bridge to this in-depth exploration of imagination in part by just advocating for the ideas of imagination and creativity in broader society. You know, whether, whether we go all the way to the promise and say, well, the reason why you can use imagination to create your life is because, you know, you, you are the divine in the body of a human. Like whether we go all the way that far or whether mm -hmm. we start with just like, hey, did you know that, you know, every artist ever has used their imagination to create things? And did you know that this is like an incredibly powerful skill, you know, that you can, you can <laughs> use in your life? Like we can start yeah. there and then mm -hmm. build the bridge. So, you know, I, we have a, a shared vision as a community for, um, you know, for, for programs for children, to teach children about using imagination, cultivating yeah. creativity. There's uh, courses and masterminds coming for, for artists, for entrepreneurs, for, um, you know, all, all different types of, of creators to, to join together. And um, you know, just all of, all of the, the expansion that can occur when there's a group of people focusing on a particular objective, we're really taking advantage of that. So yeah, a lot of, a lot of things coming um, down the line. And it's one of those things where once you're in the community, you tend to stay in the community. You know, I, I, have, I have students that are enrolling for this class here who have been with me for years now and have taken every single course I've offered, even, right. even on repeat. You know, so it's right. like, you kind of find this family 
And then, you know, from there, you, you find what speaks to you and, and you engage in it. Absolutely. And I do think it's incredible to hear the vision, the sort of size of the vision and the different places the vision goes. And, you know, it's, it makes it easy for us to imagine along with you when you share that. So thank you so much. And we know what, what that can do, you know, that, yeah. that's the whole point. So, that's the whole point. <laughs> and I, you know, before we close off, I really wanted to ask a question that I've always wanted to know. Um, if there's any one Neville lecture or, you know, even a chapter of a book, any one sort of segment of Neville's teachings that you would recommend for beginners, let's say someone has gone to a different side of YouTube that they never, you know, never knew about and they randomly found this interview and they have no idea who Neville is, where would you point them to go? I'm going to give you three. I'm going to yes. give you kind of the three. Uh, these are the three that I kind of recommend to students when they ask me exactly that. Hey, brand new to Neville, where do I start? I'm going to give you these three. Uh, any of the three could be appropriate. And just um, if you are brand new to Neville, uh, I would say start with one of them and expand into the others. Um, to our books, uh, one is, it was originally a, a record that Neville recorded in his voice. So um, the record is, it has a couple different names. One is Mental Diets. The other is Self-Talk Creates Reality. It can be mm -hmm. found under both names. It's about, a, I don't know, maybe 30, 35 minute recording. And for me, it just splits wide open this idea of being a conscious creator and understanding how our inner conversations create our experience of our reality. The second one would be Feeling is the Secret. It's probably Neville's most famous work. I, I think probably his most famous work and does a fantastic job of, of laying out the thesis of Imagination Creates Reality and helping uh, readers, students understand some basic tools for how to try it for themselves, to start to get into that application, not just the knowledge, but also the application. And then the third one would be, it's a, a longer read and much more in depth, but it's still a very comprehensive introduction to this way of thinking. And that is the book, The Power of Awareness, which I know you is one of your favorites as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So Yeah, yeah. okay, very yeah. cool. Yeah, The Power of Awareness was one I, I got into a little bit later. Um, and I was like, I mean, it's very comprehensive and it gets yes. into all the nitty gritty details. I mean, some of that stuff, a paragraph of Neville's teachings can like really click into an understanding, click you into an understanding that, oh my gosh, I, I couldn't even, yeah, I can't even describe it. He's so, so eloquent. And, you know, I'm really excited to be a part of a group that um, expands on his teachings and teaches his stuff so effectively, because I also do know that Neville wrote really eloquently and um, sophisticatedly, but in, in sort of the type of English that isn't always accessible to a lot of people. While, you know, I, and, and that's, that's something that you are able to bridge. So, and so that, uh, I think that's a really great value add. You know, at the very beginning, I couldn't listen to a Neville lecture because I, his cadence threw me off or, you know, I wasn't uh, at, at a place where I could get, look past, you know, the difference in the way that he was speaking. Um, so, you know, I think that's a really, really great value add. And so thank you so much, Josiah, that I think we covered a lot of ground today. And if anyone wants to learn more about the courses, I guess we can put the links below or wherever it is that we're posting this, you could add it to the post. When does the course start for the masterclass? Yeah, so the Neville Goddard masterclass, this one that's just coming up, that starts May 11th. So it's coming up here in about a week. 
And mm -hmm. um, the easiest way to get to that, we'll put the links down below too, but schoolofi.org, schoolofi.org. Okay. Yeah, and thank you so much for having great questions. Um, I, I, I think it really, yeah, I, I think that was very um, illuminating. So I appreciate that. Thank you very much. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. And you know what? If anyone else is listening, definitely join our group on Facebook at the Neville Goddard School of Imagination. Um, and then you can get a lot of that information that we just discussed here. And then you can reach us as well if you have any additional questions. So thank you so much. And as always, as you say, everyone that is listening, have a great day and imagine wisely. Imagine wisely indeed. Thank you very much.